I told him what I was doing and he was just like, did you see that shark that they caught in there like a couple of weeks ago, that bull shark? I'm like, nah. And he showed me this photo of, like on his phone of this bull shark and like the whole swim, I was just looking down into like the deepest murky water and I, it just was screaming bull shark. Welcome to The Drop. My name is Danny Johnson. This week on the show, we've got an interview with Harry Bryant. He's talking us through some of the hairiest moments on Stab Highway. But before we get to that, let's catch up on this week's surf news with Stab's editor, big dick power surfer, Brendan Buckley. How are you, mate? <laughs> What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. This is, this is my favorite time of year to be an everyday surfer over here. Why? It's... Because it gets just stupid and windy, and you really have to force yourself to go out. Ah, and I love that. A real test of character. And, oh, you get to surf alone a lot, too. There are just these dumb days where you just look at the ocean, and you're like, I guess I have to go in there because I told myself I'm going to do it. And it's really fun. I enjoy that. Huh. I, I'm impressed by your dedication. What do you think about when you're out there on those lonely, windy days? Well, I kind of like just watching the waves. Like I like watching, like if you watch a wave like that closely, you'll see like there's so much wind that's blowing in the local area that it like creates these weird little peaks in the wave. It's almost like you watch a wave coming in and a wave forming at the same time. So I just like to watch that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm a beautiful man. Fucking deep. You are deep. (laughs) A beautiful, deep man. (laughs) Um... We'll, we'll kind of get into this later, but I was out one day this week and I was out alone and it wasn't like that windy, but it had some size on it. I was at this like reef that can get really crowded and some guy paddles out and this is what we'll get into later. He had a helmet on and a vest and it was maybe like, I don't know, the sets were maybe like six foot back and he's all excited because he had like a 9 too. I was on like a shortboard. I don't know what his deal was. He just, he was paddling out to Nazare, but was in the wrong spot. He was, <laughs> wrong country. Um, yeah. And so he paddled out and he was all excited and he's just like, oh, like we are just two out here. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And then a set came and he just washed away and I didn't see him again. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy's dead now. And he's dead. Yeah, I saw in the news later. There's helicopters. He's gone. So wow. Um, I'm implied in that, I guess. All right, our top story this week: reckless isolation put Kolohe and Dino in the middle of a bidding war that surfing hasn't seen in years. This is great. Uh, Stab's founder Sam McIntosh had a lovely interview with Kolohe. They talked about business. They talked about life. They talked about that film. And it turns out that that film, it, it's, it came at an interesting time. Chloe's 10-year deal with Hurley was about to be up. This thing drops, and all of a sudden, as we learned in the interview, there is a bidding war to put a logo on his board. So Yeah, the rare bidding war of the modern age. They just they don't happen anymore. No, and I love them. I was thinking how cool it would be if they had one of those just like public auctions for it. <laughs> I know that surf contracts don't work like that, but just like that, you have to yell. Like that would be the coolest thing. Or, I think, or like but. you're just scrolling on eBay and there's just Kolohe and Dina, the, the <laughs> beak of his board just up on eBay for, for auction. That would be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun, right? I mean, again, you're probably not going to settle on like the best deal because, you know, you 
you're going to want certain things. They're going to want certain things. There's a lot of intricacies in those things. But it would be funny for the rest of us to watch. Oh, I can tell be, you that. It would be great. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was huge. So I don't actually – I couldn't get a sense. Sam's incredible when he gives interviews of getting contract information and the – the really like the sort of stuff that most people don't open up about open up with sam is is really good at getting out of people and one thing i came away with after reading the interview though is i still couldn't quite get a sense of whether this was the most perfectly orchestrated strategic move ever that kolohe pulled off by spending all this money on this movie and then like entering a bidding war or if he did it by accident because like it didn't seem that strategic and then yet it must have been on some level because he spent a quarter of a million dollars and that included things like $40,000 on merch that he just gave out for free. So he must have been thinking about that contract expiring on some level but at the same time he, he, didn't, he didn't really seem to be that strategic about it. Yeah, I mean I think it's easy to look at it that way now but if you think about it, in the time that they actually had to pull the trigger on that trip, it's like, oh shit, we can get into Indo. It's the middle of a pandemic. Somehow we can get on a boat. Like I could see just like the excitement, like, oh yeah, here's all the money. But maybe, you know, the timing and everything. I'd say maybe the timing strategic, but in terms of like that initial investment, I think that was just like, holy shit, this is a once in a lifetime thing. <clears throat> um, and in the interview with Sam, he talks about how as the process was kind of moving forward, he's... He's thinking like, oh, maybe this will be really good for Crane or really good for Crosby. And maybe he's going to like really help elevate his friends. But yeah, with the time and everything, maybe he did have that little idea of like, oh, you know, I do kind of have a decade long contract that's about to expire. Maybe this would be a good time. And, and another great point that Sam brings up in the interview is that all surf companies are typically youth companies and the youth don't relate to a married man who's having kids. And that's where Kolohe is currently at in the same way they do to the, the young up-and-coming or hyped-up surfer. But Kolohe it has been able to remain relevant and a, a big part of it, I guess, is because of the film. Yeah, yeah. Who do you think Who do you think is next on that logo or next on that board? What's the next logo on there? On Kolohe's board? Yeah. Oh, um, I don't know. We, we've been talking about it a lot. So there's there's... We can break it down like it, it can't really be Billabong because they've got Griffin, same hometown. Yeah. That, that doesn't – that wouldn't make sense despite the fact that he has a history there and was, was once sponsored by Billabong. Uh, it can't really be Rip Curl. I mean it could be but they've got Connor Coffin in California. Uh, it can't really be Zeke or Kanoa because, um, you know, Kanoa's in California as well. So they've kind of got that presence okay. there. You mean you mean Quicksilver there? Oh, what did you I say? Zeke or Kanoa. You just said their names. Oh, <laughs> you said Zeke or Kanoa. I don't think I don't think Zeke or Kanoa is going to sponsor him either. But no, yeah, I, just let's I let's talk about it. Yeah, I could see Quicksilver stepping up. I mean, Kanoa or Kanoa serves for Japan. He lives in Portugal. I I feel like they'd have a bit of a void there, especially after having worked there for five years. That's true. That. That's true. That one, that one is okay. Let's put that. Let's put them up as a contender. I still, for some reason, a Quicksilver surfer. I can't imagine that on Kolohe's board. But it's funny how quickly we get used to it when a when a surfer changes sponsors. So I mean, yeah. Let's um, let's let's pencil 
Quicksilver in as a potential. Uh, Hurley's obviously one of the bidders. They're going to try and retain Kolohe, especially after what he just achieved. Um, who else? Who else is there, Buck? Volcom. Well, Volcom. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a fit. No. Patagonia. He doesn't strike me as a Patagonia guy. Uh, <laughs> to be fair. No. I was thinking. It's pretty obvious to me. Like you said, he's he's married. He's twenty seven. He's got a kid on the way. He's got that kind of serious athletic image. It's got to be the Mad Hooies, right? <laughs> oh, fuck. Can you just just imagine a shoot real quick, like like them on a boat somewhere in Fiji or something, and like like guys are just doing shoeies and it's madness. And he's kind of got like headphones on like this. Like I think that would be sick. He's in the corner riding an exercise bike. <laughs> Yeah, he's just kind of in the background of every shot. <laughs> that would be pretty good. Um, uh, what about O'Neill? O'Neill's, O'Neill's got Ian Crane. That's part of their gang, but he's not on tour. So O'Neill's definitely someone that could be in the mix. Or like you said, it could be someone completely new. I mean, O'Neill, that's a really good call actually. But it could also be someone new entering the space. And I don't know who that would be. There was talk about of, John's thing, Florence Marine X. I don't think they're, I don't think they're spending their money that way. Like a new company coming in, I think they're going to be more focused on spending cash on distribution channels, uh, like marketing that brand via John because it's got his last name on it. I think that would almost be mixed messaging and confuse the the brand a little bit <laughs> to like, you know, like suddenly introduce Kolohe in the mix as well. They should actually make a huge offer on Medina. That would be the move, I think. <laughs> oh, that would be so good. <laughs> Just surf with John's name on your nose. Hey, you know the other thing about that interview, Buck, is that the, the soundbite we played a few episodes back from, what's your friend, the photographer's name, Scotty Hammonds? Yeah. So he plays this soundbite uh, that's breaking down the trip that was the, the, the main piece of the movie that Kolohe made. And we've had this incredible revelation. He said the funniest thing on the trip was that they were there for three weeks and there was only 12 beers drunk the entire time, the least amount of beers ever drunk on a, on a mentor-wise boat trip for sure. In, in the history of, yeah, of boating. Yeah, of boating actually, yeah, not just the mentor-wise. And then, <laughs> and then in this interview, like Sam, another thing he got great out of him, Kolohe just almost doesn't drink I, he, he acknowledges in the interview like he's he's not sober necessarily he didn't have a drinking problem but he essentially just does not drink and then we've actually got a little soundbite things changed for Kolohe while he was premiering the movie around the country so I'm gonna play that right now for you Buck because typically when you're out at night you're kind of eggy because you've been up since four and like you just want to go to bed but the smile on your face made me think that you might have given up your sobriety Did, I did. Did you? <laughs> how, yeah, yeah, I definitely had fun. Oh, is that what was? How long had it been since you had drunk alcohol? Uh, I don't know. I just like the weird like stigma that comes with like being sober. Like, kind of wigs me out because it's like, oh, like you, so you get heroin when you're younger. Right. So, uh, yeah. I yeah. never really liked like sharing that with people or being like the sober guy because I definitely didn't have an issue with anything. I just was like trying to be logical in life and like saying like, oh, when I get drunk, like it doesn't make me feel good. 
and I feel like I want to do weird stuff, so I probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. But that was more when I was younger, and this was like, now I'm older and more mature, so I was just like celebrating the movie, and it was just fun. Sick. Uh, did any drinks um, particularly impress you? You like anything? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. You don't like the taste of beer. Do, you don't like the taste of beer, do you? No, I do. Actually, don't mind the taste of beer. I just don't like how like full I feel when I drink it. Yeah. Yeah. In North Carolina, they have like a slushy, like a Red Bull. A Red Bull vodka slushy at this one bar we went to. Yeah, they were so good and so lethal. People were like drinking them like they were water and just like couldn't even walk like two minutes later. <laughs> yeah, that stuff after you haven't drunk, that'd be like methamphetamine. You just fucking be up for days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then so tell me. Uh... But I have to, I had control of myself for sure. Of course. I think everyone did. No one even threw up the whole time. Really? Kind of weird. <laughs> uh, Sam's got a point. Yeah, it would be, it would be quite meth-like. So there you have it, Sam. Kolohe's uh, back on the source. So whoever does pick him up as a, a new team rider, you, you know, that's a bad choice. He's going to be washed up. He's, he's up on night. Yeah. Boozy. Yeah, just be drinking, showing up to the meeting to sign with a Red Bull vodka slushy in his hand. You're like, <laughs> fuck, give me the contract. <laughs> I also I wonder because yeah there's no way Hurley would want to lose him but 10 years is such a long time I wonder especially all the changes that they went through if that is like I almost think about like if somebody's been in a relationship with another person for a really long time that ends and they kind of just do some weird shit trying to figure themselves out again (laughs) Hurley might do that you know like they had the Nike thing they had this whole thing and now like Chloe leaving it could just be like they might have a little bit of an identity crisis. Yeah, I dare say they buy will. a weird car or something. I don't know. <laughs> Dye their hair funny color. Could happen. A big story this week, literally. Who just won the Big Wave Awards? That is the title of the article on StabMag.com. You could read it even if you hate Danny and I and don't have a premium subscription. It's on the free site, but. This year's Big Wave Awards, which used to be known as the XXL Awards, the winners were just decided. Um, and by this year, I mean the 2020-2021 the Big Wave season. So the season that it's all Northern Hemisphere focused. So the season that started about a year ago, right around now, and ended whenever storms started to get tired into the Northern Hemisphere. So should we rifle through the winners, Danny? This is uh, it's not really great audio. Everything in this is <laughs> kind of visual, but let's just talk about Pete Mel. He's the let's he's the he's the let's best talk one. about Pete Mel. Yeah, Pete Mel, he won the ride of the year with a wave that if you haven't seen by now, I've really welcome to surfing. I guess I, I don't know how you could have missed this thing, but that thing was incredible and. They announced the Big Wave Awards really late this year. Usually they're talked about pretty much all through the year. For some reason this year, maybe it was a sponsorship thing or something. They didn't talk about it until like a month ago, which was weird. There's usually a lot more lead up. And so there's almost this like question of like the year that somebody gets like the craziest wave ever 
is it not going to get an award? Is it not going to get like cataloged into history like this? And that fear was not realized. It, it came true. And yeah, the clip is amazing. Did you, I rewatched it a few times this week. I'm glad that it came back to the front of mine. Did you? Was that the best wave in surfing ever? I was talking to to Sam actually about it, and he was talking about how he loves the fact that the camera, the the person who filmed the clip that you could see, they just keep it rolling. It wasn't like okay, yeah, wave's completed, that's that. He just kept rolling for a while so you could really see the reaction, which yeah. seems like a mixture of like of like excitement from everybody else and almost like confusion. Like how did this, what just happened inside that wave? Yeah, it, it's and eerie almost. Like everyone goes silent for a while and Pete's just sitting there just, you can tell he's in shock because he, he has no concept of what just happened. Yeah, yeah. We even, we did a story on Stab Premium this week about a potential big wave come down effect. Like Peter Mel locked himself inside his room for at least a day after that wave, he just had to process it, I guess. It was, he's 50 years old and he's had such a crazy career. And then that happens at 50, probably not expecting that, honestly. You'd probably think that like your best days of surfing and oh. definitely your best days of charging are behind you. Yeah. Uh, Talk about one way to deal with the lack of flexibility in when you and you're, the suffering of the tube stance as you get older, just pull into the world's biggest tube and you don't have to, you don't have to duck at all. That was. Uh, it is a good strategy, yeah. And his son was in the channel, which must have felt pretty goddamn good. Everyone's. I don't know if you remember what you thought of your parents as you were, you know, in that adolescence to young adult phase where your individuality is coming out and you don't necessarily have that much respect for your parents. Or maybe you do. I don't know. My dad was train wreck, so I didn't. But if he got pitted at Mavericks, I would have been like pretty. Uh, I would have been pretty yeah. impressed. Yeah, you'd have to be. Maybe that's the, what was missing. He just needed to fly over and, and pack one. <laughs> hey, you know what the most amazing thing about that wave is? Is the the front on angle, and, and you get to see the aftermath in the channel, which is which is just really special in the whole moment. And that is just definitely the most visually spectacular. But if you watch it from the land angle, which I only just did recently, that's where you get to see how deep he was and how actually how barreled he gets the barrel's so big you can't actually even tell if he's really in it or not it's you know it's a psycho launch because of how differently he surfs that wave to the, every other wave you've ever seen surfed at mavericks but the land angle he takes off and he's actually he's outside of the guy's crop because he's so much further he's so much deeper than you typically would be when you catch that wave and so you don't even get to see him in it. He, he just kind of like comes in at the bottom of the frame and he's already on the wave pulling in. And then you see how barreled he gets and then he gets spat out. It's, it's, if anyone hasn't seen the land angle, I highly recommend checking that out. Yeah, it really is an incredible wave. 
And it's interesting to think about about Twiggy's a bit older too. Like he's been in the game for so long. And I feel like I even think about like Ross Clark Jones, who later in his career, well, always charging, but especially later in his career, he like really focused on big waves. It's funny because I guess they do have that that side of them where clearly the most dangerous, you're risking your body more there than anywhere. Maybe just like you said, you don't have to have like knees that'll do an air reverse. You can kind of just, all you have to do is kind of set a line and on you go. I think that the reputation for big wave surfers is this extremely, or, or, or the, the idea that, or the assumption that a lot of people have at least, is this adrenaline fueled maniacs that are out there taking risks. And I think in the, all the conversations I've ever had with big wave surfers, it's a very different story. They're typically so calculated and so methodical yeah. about how they they think about big wave surfing and the decisions they make and the preparation and and the care they take in the water that the older big wave surfer makes a lot more sense to me now after having those conversations. It's it's it seems counterintuitive because you're like, old oh, guys, why do they care about like risking their life? But the steely nerves and the and the intellect almost that's required to to know how to assess a situation and know when to hit the button and go is is actually more suited to an older surfer, I think. Wisdom, yeah, wisdom. yeah. You wisdom. Gotta, you're gonna you're gonna come out of that thing pretty wise. You 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 see what it's like in there. You're gonna be a different person on the way out. Oh yeah, that was a portal for sure. And one last thing I'll say on that is. I was actually chatting to Ronnie Blakey a lot of years ago and he was he was there with Pete as they were briefing the surfers before one of the Piahi um, big wave events and he said that Pete got up in, and addressed the surfers and he said that the, the respect that Pete commands amongst the big wave elite was like something that kind of like blew him away. It's like, whoa, Pete is, is really so highly regarded and it actually, it, it was something that, it took me off guard a little bit because I'm more used to Pete. I know him so much more from the webcast where he's kind of like this goofy, uh, unsure, just doesn't seem like this big wave assassin. Yeah. We've actually got a documentary, a short documentary coming on him on Stab Premium. Yeah, as when, well. Buck? I feel like we've mentioned this before. When is it coming? It's going to come after Stab Highway. We're going to let Stab Highway do its thing. Oh, so it's done. five. It's getting close, finishing touches, yeah. Oh, nice. It's great. You know, we've got uh, four more episodes of Stab Highway, so that's the next month, and then it'll come in the weeks following that. So keep an eye out there, especially if you only really know Peter from the webcast. Uh, he's a really nice guy, too. I've, I feel like I had one of those, you know when you meet somebody and it's just like, like a, hey, how you doing? It's brief, and you just almost feel like you have to introduce yourself to them again next time you see them? Yeah. I feel like I had that with Pete, like, like years ago and now every time I see him we still just say hello how are you all these things like it's it's he's a lovely guy lovely to chat to and apparently a psychopath when a 50 foot wall of water swings at him and Mavericks will just go see what's like in there and then the other thing I want to call out on the big wave awards is Justine DuPont she won three that's crazy she won the female performer of the year the biggest toe for female and the ride of the year for female uh, she's she's gnarly. Yeah, she pretty much just spends the winter at Nazareth unless she goes over to Jaws for a strike, which that's how she won her um, toe in the ride of the year. This one, this last awards, but she's incredible. Like she'll go on anything at Nazareth, from what I understand. So mm. huge year for her too, and I'm sure she's going to back it up this year. 
So you say Jaws, not Piahi? Now I feel like a pretentious kook saying Piahi. <laughs> and you were just going to like chuck it. out I Jaws. I never know either. I just kind of rolled off the tongue. Maybe maybe I, I heard you saying Piahi and I was like, I don't want to try to say a hard word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I fucked it up too. Our most thought-provoking story this week. A surf accident, a seizure, and a shift in one stab writer's mind. So this, our, our friend Mikey C. from The Cusp, he wrote about everything that's suggested in the title. Uh, he got hurt surfing one day. He had a really weird medical event, which a doctor in our comments... There's one thing I love about Stab Premium is that there's we publish a story and we've got two doctors commenting on this, giving Mikey some more medical insight. Which for a surf site, I think that's just incredible. That's not something I would expect really. But Mikey, sorry to get off track there. Mikey got hurt in the water one day, had what he thought was a seizure, and it shifted him to start wearing a helmet in the water, at least in heavier conditions. So, all right, let's hear from Mikey and see. And, and, and see what he has to say for himself. Hey, Starblazer Zero, will you be our hero? You'll do better tricks in a helmet that fits. Can't be too big or too small, cause even the stars fall and you could get hurt. Hello, boys. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, but one thing, Danny, I actually, I don't know why you didn't mention, I'm, I'm also the 2006 NSSA Northeast Division Open Boys Champion. So yeah, I just, I feel like that probably should have been mentioned earlier. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm just happy to come on here and share a little bit of my story, which is one of a very minor head trauma that led to a shift in my thinking um, about surfing and looking cool and not and being safe and all these fun things. So essentially back in the middle of the pandemic, I shaved my head, went full Dion, and a few days later I went surfing and I got a really minor nick on my head. I think if I'd had hair, probably would have not even seen anything other than maybe a little lump. But because I had no protection, I ended up getting a small laceration that required um, some care. So Rather than going to the doctor, of course, I just asked my friend to super glue my head, and that didn't go especially well. Um, I ended up fainting during the operation, and rather than just coming to like a normal person, uh, my body had a really strange reaction and just started convulsing out of nowhere. It was basically a seizure. Um, my eyes rolled into the back of my head, my fists were super clenched, and I was just like shaking like crazy. Like it. It felt like somebody had turned on one of those um, massage guns inside my body and just let it spin freely. So, um, yeah, it was a really strange experience. I ended up going to the doctor, getting some CT scans, and it turned out there was no major head trauma, which was really good. But the whole thing just really made me think about surfing and head injuries and kind of how little it takes for you to have um, something that could actually seriously alter your life. So obviously the first thing you need to worry about with a head injury is passing out underwater and drowning, which, you know, we've seen happen plenty of times before and we've seen almost happen plenty of times before with, you know, like a Dusty Payne or an Evan Geiselman. And then the second thing is just these long-term effects of a traumatic brain injury, which span from, you know, Alzheimer's to uh, just generally kind of like losing your sense of self, which I think we'll actually hear a story from 
Tom Carroll about that next week. But uh, yeah, just, I don't know, it just kind of freaked me out and just made me realize like, man, what am I doing? If I, if I lose what little of my brain remains, um, I'm so useless. Like I'm not an artist. I can't make things. My, my body has almost no value to society whatsoever. So if I, if my three remaining neurons, um, somehow falter or collapse, I just, I don't know what I would do. And yeah, it just made me realize I should probably be wearing a helmet when the waves get a little bit on the heavier side. Um, so that's what I did when I went to Hawaii last year. Ashton and I were in the middle of our triple crown surf off. And I think we were one and one at sunset in Haleiwa and going into pipe. And I, I, for obvious reasons, I didn't want to lose. So I decided to grab my buddy's gaff helmet. And, you know, it was two sizes too big. It hardly fit, but it it still, it gave me this confidence that I'd never really had at pipe before. And I ended up catching one of the biggest, heaviest waves I've ever had out there. Um, I didn't make it, but it was just the idea that, you know, I was able to push myself to go over the ledge and pull in and just commit, which, um, yeah, I think I would attribute that almost fully to the, to the head protection. That's my spiel. Uh, next week we'll be actually hearing from 10 pro surfers including Nathan Fletcher, Albie Lair, Parker Coffin, and more about kind of why they started wearing a helmet. And also we'll get to learn what helmets they wear. So in case you're in the market, you'll hear what the pros are wearing. Gabriel Medina rekindles relationship with his real dad. So as many of you know, Gabe's longtime coach, Charles Rodriguez, was his stepfather. Uh, he was not coaching Gabe this year. Gabe's being coached by Australian Andy King, who we actually did a great interview with leading up to the finals. But Gabe's relationship with his biological father was not great. I guess they went 20 years without really talking. And now that Gabe's in this super positive mindset, he's got his wife, he's just seems really happy and open to things in life. He's, he's, rekindling his relationship and he posted an Instagram this week where him and his biological dad are just dancing. Um, have you seen it, Danny? I know I've you're seen not an it. Instagram guy. Yeah, no, I've okay. seen it. It's, what do you think of their moves? <laughs> it's, it's quite sexy, isn't it? It's salsa. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that much about the culture of salsa dance, but I never knew dancing with your own father, biological father, to be exact, your dick, his dick dad. Could be so, Dad, yeah. such a sexy thing. I think they got good moves. I respect, I respect both of the shapes they're pulling. What do you think? I don't want to be nitpicky. The moves are great, but Gabriel Medina, he's wearing an NFL jersey for the Seattle Seahawks, and it's number three, which I get it's tying into his third world title, I'd imagine, but the guy whose jersey that is, this guy, Russell Wilson, and I just, he doesn't, I don't think Gabe should really be aligning with him. He's injured right now. He didn't get off to a great start this season. I don't know what kind of message this is sending to his fellow competitors. Uh, did like the moves though. And then I liked how he tagged his father in it. Uh, his dad's name is Claudio Ferreira. Same spelling as Italo Ferreira, but no relationship. No relation there, sorry. He could have a relationship with Italo, I'm not sure. <laughs> that would be a scandal. Uh, that would be nice. Anyway, he tagged him, and I'm going to go out and say Claudio Ferreira 
on Instagram is a must follow. <laughs> he only has four posts at the moment, but they are absolutely electric. Uh, my favorite one is it's from the day that Gabe won the world title. And you know when you get like somebody that's just a bit older and not familiar with social media and they kind of just – their stuff looks a lot different from people who like take it real seriously and think it's you know, yeah, this yeah, whole yeah. Yeah. world. Uh, when Gabriel won the title, the image he posted was – it looked like he just took a photo of his screen, which would have made sense if it was from that day, but it wasn't from that day. It looks like it was from Rotnest. <laughs> and, and so it seems like he's just been sitting on this photo of a screen that he took from Rotnest of Gabe and just said, like, congratulations, like, three-time world champ. And I just love people who use social media that way. He, yeah. I find it so refreshing. It, he needs to get some sort of social media manager on side because just by proxy, he is now famous. Like it's hard to really get your head around how famous Gabby Medina is in Brazil. Like, he's famous internationally, of course, and especially internationally to the surf community. But in Brazil, his his fandom is so psycho. Like I remember had it explained to me once that Art and Senna had died They'd had the World Cup in Brazil and then in 2014 when Medina won that first world title, Brazil was so ready for a new person to latch onto, for a new hero and Medina just came at the perfect time and it just sent him to a level of fame that Adriana D'Souza winning the world title after Gabe would never hear, even Italo, it just sent Gabe into this new stratosphere of fame and now he's dad's. Well, both of his dads, but his biological dad is is now famous as well. So I feel like he he should get some sort of some help on that gram. I'm gonna disagree with you there. I think he just has to keep it going as is. Like I just think that I cl- I clicked on ahead. one of the pictures and I was like I was like oh I can't wait I get to see like I was just interested because he's it's Medina I'm interested in everything that happens. I click on one and it's a gallery. I'm like oh nice picture of Gabby and his wife and, and then I click to the next photo. And it's another picture of maybe Gabby's brother or someone. I don't know who it was. And then the very next post is one of that same one of those same posts from the gallery, in a in a new post. Like it's just it's just not efficient Instagramming, Buck. I know, but I love it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I hope he posts that several more times. <laughs> if, if he just posted that photo continuously, I would like it every time I'd be in. The stab edit of the year jackpot is on the rise. If you don't know, we are giving away a Bitcoin for the best surf edit of 2022. The waiting period actually starts in December. I don't, do we call it a waiting period? What are we What are we waiting for? It's just the, the yeah, entry period. There's no wait. Yeah, it's a just a whole long year broken up into four. And... It's going to be the – I mean, we, we launched this thing and we had a fair idea that Bitcoin would entice surfers. But what we didn't really know is that John John Florence would stake his claim within – was it hours of, of us releasing the news? At least within days. He posted an Instagram yeah. clip mentioned, uh, calling out the competition, said he was getting some, some clicks, clips together. So – and then the Bitcoin – price has just steadily just been creeping up, making that price even more enticing. So uh, I'm excited, Buck. I'm excited too. The waiting, 
not waiting period. The entry period starts December 1st. Like Danny said, we're breaking it into four quarters, but it's going to be great. And this story basically just talks about how Bitcoin is now worth an estimated $300 billion USD. <laughs> um, What's it worth actually? 60 when the story is published. Okay. All right. And you know that's going up. Bitcoin, what could, what could possibly go wrong? It never goes down. Hey, out of, apart from John John, do you know of anyone that is definitely submitting clips? I know Albie's in and he actually has some interesting ideas because the way it's going to work with the quarters is that if you finish, Stab Premium members are going to vote on their favorites every quarter. And if you finish within the top three, you are going to make the list for the final. So the final is going to be the top three from each quarter. And then we have a few wild cards in case there's just a busy time. We want to make sure we're getting all the best in there. But I'll be having this idea where you should be able to replace your clips. Like if you put a part out and then as the year progresses, you end up getting some clips where you're like, okay, I had this error in here, but all of a sudden after I publish the clip or the edit, I did one that's way better. And his idea is that you can actually, you should be able to swap them out before that final voting, mm. which I think is awesome. I, I think that like makes that. that like, yeah, because if not, I guess you could publish one in December and then you have a whole nother year of serving that you're doing to potentially beat it. So it's almost like you're looking at old serving to declare the 2022 edit of the year. So his idea is just to be able to have another few like little tweaks before the final voting to win the Bitcoin. And we haven't made a final call on it yet, but I think it's a really cool idea. I do like that. Yeah, it's like I remember that album that Kanye brought out where you would listen to it and then he would, he would fuck with it and the next time you listen to it, it would be different. And it was actually kind of annoying. So I don't know if I like that. No, I do like it for, th- for this surf thing. <laughs> Uh, it's, I didn't know Kanye West did that with an album. How about you? Do you know anybody submitting clips? Have you heard any, any whispers over there? Ozzy Wright has been working on a film for a while and I think he's going to enter that mm. into Stab Editor of the Year, which will be wow. good. Ozzy Wright, of course, is uh, he's the aerial legend and uh, currently judge on Stab Highway. He, he designed the all the tattoos, but he, he designed the one that went on the back of Dion Aegis's head, I think. Everyone remember from the last episode. And uh, I guess he's doing heaps of shit now that I think about it. He's making a ukulele album at the moment. Talented family. His wife, well, they're not actually married, but his partner, Miley Grace, just released an album that's on Spotify as well. Miley Grace on Spotify. Is she gonna fuck with it? Is she gonna fuck with it like Kanye? <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a that's a different genre. Yeah, other than that, I don't know. I haven't I think people are kind of typically pretty quiet about this stuff at this stage. And I mean, who knows if um where these clips are gonna come from, but I think all the big players, people that periodically release a, a big long section, a big like substantial section will all be collecting clips and, and throwing it in the mix because why wouldn't you? 60, what was it? 300,000. <laughs> <000. laughs>
All right, we've got what I'm gonna go ahead and call the most elaborate surf sin in the history of surf sins. This one, I mean, a lot of them, they deal with, oh, you, you messed up a wave for somebody and I'm just, I don't wanna give away too much right now, but this guy's is, it's beyond that a bit. And he, he has to remain anonymous as you'll hear. Yeah, yeah, the first anonymous surfs in. And for good reason, cause the gravity of this one is, shall we say large. It's huge. Let's hear it. Hey, Stab. Uh, don't want to give out my name because some people might be angry, but I work for a dredging company and we dig sand out of channels, putting on beaches, and we make some really cool novelty waves while we're doing it. It can be like two foot and slabbing. But then we finish and we leave and we leave the beach typically pretty shitty for a couple years till the storms change it again. And I may or may not have been on the project in southern New Jersey where a lot of draw rides were done, but those waves look good, so I guess it's a silver lining. And what's my penance? Wow, Buck. That, uh, yeah, anonymous. Anonymous submission there, and it's, it's understandable why. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, like a lot of them they deal with, oh, well, I burned somebody or I, I stole one way from some person, but this, this guy went ahead and he, <laughs> he stole a lot of ways from yeah, some people. For years, as it, would, as it turns out. What do you what do you make of it? What do you what do you how do you how'd you wrap your head around this one? Okay, well, what I immediately think of is the term playing God. I remember this term was used a lot when like wave fools started coming to be, especially when the Kelly Slater one first came out and it blew everybody's minds. It's like, whoa, you know, we're playing God, we're mimicking nature and we're creating these things. And so that's where I went immediately. And in terms of a penance, I was thinking that what this guy should do is he needs to quit his job. Maybe a leave of absence, I don't know, but long term. And so basically what he's got to do is work for at least six months at the Kelly Slater's surf ranch. Um, and he's not allowed to get a single wave. Oh, and Jesus. he's just got to check people in. Give them their kombucha or whatever. And do <laughs> that whole thing. I think it's perps. Here's the land. Yeah, here's here's some perps and a lanyard. You know, here's our hot tub. It's only 120 degrees out right now. Jump in the hot tub, why don't you? Oh. I'll give you a perps. And yeah, so I think he needs to get in touch with what he did here, which and that needs to you know creating or destroying waves. They strike me as similar, and so I'm thinking at least six months and definitely through the summer there in Lamore. He's got to work at the surf ranch and he's not allowed to get a single wave. Wow. That's a great penance. It's so thematic and, and conceptually relevant. What do you got? Well, I mean, like I was sort of confused because, yeah, it's huge and he's fucking with waves, but that's like that's on one hand he's it's this huge surf scene, but on the other hand if he wasn't showing up to work, then someone else would be doing that job and the sand would still be dredged. So I think the real surf scene is that he made that decision to participate 
in the destruction of beaches and sandbanks and people's pleasure. So, yeah, that to me was his surf sin. So, but large, but nothing a, a, a penance can't fix. So my penance was that he's moving all this sand around and I just thought the, the perfect penance would be to, I didn't go as grand as you, but I was just thinking that it should be relevant to moving sand around and I thought that he he, he, he must not wash his feet after surfing for the next seven surfs. So what that means is no rinsing your feet at the beach in the shower, getting into your car with sandy feet, walking into your house, sitting on the couch, getting into bed. Everywhere you go, you've got to be like moving sand around and, and then you've got to deal with – because what he's doing right now is anonymous, right? Like he's just messing up these sandbags and going ha, ha, ha and just – cruising away and he never hears it but he's gonna hear it you're gonna hear about like sand all through his house from his mum or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or uh, i don't know even a dog probably doesn't like that so yeah that was my that was my penance i like that i like the visual the visual that you kind of painted there him just like fucking up a sandbag and then ha 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 sneaking away <laughs> so i like well, that i didn't and hear I, a lot of remorse in his voice buck i, I mean I mean, one thing I will say though, and and Sam brought this up earlier. He just loves the people that that ride in for surf sins because they're so, they're self aware. Like it's so much easier to point out other people's flaws and mistakes than it is your own. And these people that send in surf sins, they might be guilty, but we all are. And these are the people that, like you said, there's nothing a penance can't fix. And so I'm just I love it. I love surf sins so much. I. I I probably have a few more too. I mean, I've just, we've all misbehaved in our lives, so. They're cleansed. Yeah, they're so fun. They're they're so fun to hear. Yeah, and you know what? In saying that, Buck, you've said a surf scene on here before and I'm I'm still yet to come forward. And and so maybe next week will be my virgin surf scenery. Ooh, I look forward to it. I think that means that I'll have to prepare a really good penance because I don't think I'll have you to kind of, be a system of checks and balances. It'll just be ultimate authority to send you on your way. Like you yeah. did me in the hot water. It'll be all up to you. Hey, before we wrap up, Buck, I got to say, I like your emails. Who does the illustrations on those emails that you send out weekly? My friend, Noah Emerson, who goes by the name Joy Stain. With some <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Joy Stain is uh, very good. But in those emails... You you always write uh, you always have like have a structure where you say one last thing and they're always classic and then and then you have comment of the week and I just thought this comment of the week from the week just passed was was so good from a stab premium member named Undergund who wrote in a reply to someone else a few things are as rewarding as having a stranger claim your barrel for you I just thought that was like fucking poetry that is so true it is so true it is so true I did reply to him. Though, and I said, there are also a few things that are more awkward than when somebody claims something for you that you didn't feel good about. Oh, yeah. Because then you have, to, you have to act like you cared and it's weird. But when you get a good tube and somebody's just claiming it for you, that is the most satisfying thing. That is so much better than claiming it yourself. Man, I've had the opposite happen. And this is going to make me sound like such an asshole. But this guy, I was caught inside for ages and... 
and this guy, he kind of just had this reeking style and it wasn't an enjoyable surfer to watch. And he, he did get just a rare one just lined up and, and funneled and he, and he timed it perfect and came in and out. But it wasn't spectacular really. It was a small day. But he immediately came out of the barrel and, and pulled straight and just like looked straight at me. And as he like pulled off and I could see how ecstatic he was and desperate for attention but that actually made me go in the opposite direction. He like kind of paddling next to me going, wow, that, that last one I got was pretty good eh? and he just wanted me to give it up for him and I was just like, oh, yeah, I think it was pretty good. I didn't, I didn't really see the end of it. Oh, just like just tried to like dodge it and just oh, such an asshole crushed his dreams. Wow, and and you are aware that you confess your surfs in next week, right? Not not right now, because if this is just a run-of-the-mill story for you, then I don't know what kind of shit we're getting next week. Thanks, Buck. Please send your surf sins in. Both Bucks and my email are in the episode description. Buck at stabmag.com, Danny at stabmag.com. And be anonymous if you like. Whatever you do, just make sure you cleanse yourself. And now let's get to Harry Bryan. The audio sucks for this interview, but then it gets a little better about halfway through. We had some malfunctions, but it's definitely worth suffering through for Haz. He's just so funny. Some people just have talent falling out their pockets and Harry's definitely one of them. He, he has it in all areas of his life and Stab Highway is a great place to see that on show. So, of course, you can watch Stab Highway on Stab Premium if you haven't got a subscription. The first episode is on YouTube for free. And if you like it after that, I, I, I don't know, steal your friend's code, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. It's, sort of, it's pretty fun, but it's also pretty hectic. Where are you sitting right now? That's a fucking very amazing backdrop. Yeah, I'm in my, um, I'm in my little shed, actually. It's, um, yeah, my, Kayla did night shift last night, nurse, and so I'd, come down into the shed, make as much fucking noise as I want. <laughs> Sick. And this is kind of like my little zone though. And I uh, come in the mornings, just I've got some nice memorabilia around and uh, it's a nice place to start the day. How many surfboards do you reckon you own? Jeez. These are all my like good, my go-to, like my nice ones in here, but there's an absolute pile of them like, underneath the house kind of thing and it'd have to be like in like 30 40 that's pretty that's not too bad Italo ferreira has like 600 oh yeah and they're all and they're all 510 <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah he's probably he's probably riding like five sixes hey i don't know it depends on how is he on the the amount of hair extensions he's running at a, at a particular time he looks different every time i sit like i swear a photo pops up of Italo like every week and he looks completely different every week it's so like it's exciting to see like what sort of setup he's going to be running <laughs> each week um so what have you been doing october was quite blurry to be honest um it is kind of every year i kind of call it grogtober uh and especially with the whole freedom day thing and the pubs opening back up grogtober absolutely took its toll on me so i'm actually i'm actually 12 days sober as of today, I've been taking a bit of a, a, a bit of a hiatus off the grog. Yeah, not much, Danny, to be honest. I haven't really been doing all that much. Bit of surfing and just hanging. I like that I like that you take the opposite of sober October. You just do grogtober. Yeah, grogtober. <laughs> yeah, this this October was spe- uh, specifically pretty big. Like it was my twenty fifth birthday in October. 
Um, me and my partner had a bit of an engagement party. I actually I spoke to you on the phone the other day because we kind of got engaged in the middle of lockdown and we hadn't really had a chance to celebrate with our friends. So, um, yeah, we did that. Huge. And, uh, yeah. Hey, have you been watching Stab Highway? Yeah, I have. It's been sick to uh, sick to relive that trip. And what are you? What are your thoughts? Are, are, you, are you guys feeling confident about the win? Are you? Are you doing the maths oh. in your head? I don't know. I know that we've got a lot up our sleeve. Um, yeah, like the first, the first half of the trip. Uh, I like the first few episodes. We haven't been looking too good on paper, <laughs> but in my mind there's two teams that I reckon are going to be looking pretty good for the win, mainly because those two teams completed all of the challenges. I know a few teams actually couldn't or, or didn't uh, complete the whole, all the challenges, like the whole booklet. Um, but to be honest, I'm not even that pumped on winning or anything like that. It was more just such a, such a cool, um, character building exercise team bonding exercise um and just something completely different i don't think anyone's really done a trip like that before and it was just it was a fun trip so much funny stuff happened and it was just cool to hang out with uh some different crew and um just a bit of a different approach to a surf trip i guess yeah are you let's take it from the start how did you feel when you first rocked up and and we introduced the picking teams scenario were you were you freaking or did you think that was funny or what, what where were you at i was kind of in two minds about it one because like i reckon you know if you would have put like a bunch of friends in a van together that just would have been too easy like you kind of needed that like that rawness of just getting thrown thrown in a team with people that you don't necessarily hang out with every day we're all surfers. We're all, we've all got enough in common for it not to be weird. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. It was just, it was an interesting dynamic. I was actually wondering like before, like when we were that morning, when the teams were being picked, I was like, I wonder how this is going to go. Let's talk about that first day because you showed up without sleep, came into the team picking and then we booted off to do the first challenge and, and you were straight nude and surfing and ripped somehow without sleep in the nude at freezing cold D-bar. And then that night, every, all the teams were, not all the teams, three of the four teams ended up at the same pub and everyone was partying and you were still mixing it up one of the, one of the last, last standing that night. What is your, where do you get your power from, your stamina? Um, just training, just heaps of training. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've spent a few Grogtobers like straight just training for, for that. So, uh, nah, I don't know. Yeah. The, the night before was classic. Like we hadn't, none of us had really like hung out in ages, like cause of COVID or whatever. And we had like, we got a group um, thread going and we're all like, shit, let's go to surfers paradise. Cause we, we thought that that's actually where we were going to meet up the next morning. And, um, Dion in particular was like so pumped to go to Surfers Paradise. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we flew in straight away and like went and we just got this like, like the biggest like skyscraper hotel room we could, we could find and just went and absolutely lived it up in Surfers Paradise, just ticked all the boxes. 
Um, yeah, it was classic. And then I guess time kind of got away from us. And um, as it can in certain venues that uh, the sunlight doesn't seep into at all. And um, we kind of realised that we had to go straight from surfers to the team. <laughs> to the team meeting type feel where the, where we pick the teams and stuff like that. The first challenge out of all of them was to scull a warm thing of monster, which just sent my heart rate through the roof. Like hadn't even had breakfast or a coffee or anything like that. And yeah, it was just straight into a, into a warm 750 mil can of, um, of green juice. Yeah. So that's what um, we did. We, we, to, so that, because all the vans were different, we decided that whoever would get first, whichever team would get first pick of the vans, had to nominate someone to scale the monster. And you, you probably needed yeah. a little boost, though. I did, yeah. Oh, that's I, I blame I blame the, that surf session, the performance in that nude surf session on that can of monster. I reckon, um, but you know there is there is an underlying theory, um, kind of going with the the monster energy surf team that there is a perfect dose um to monster to like surf the absolute best you've ever surfed ratio um there's a classic old story baron hall told me the other day dane reynolds in new zealand had half a can of monster and put on like a full pb like best he's ever surfed performance so the half can is is the is that the dose is that what everyone's or is it depends on your body weight yeah it does like Dion, Dion probably needs just like half a sip. Um, but yeah, guys like myself, probably a half can, half can would be pretty spot on. So let's talk about your team dynamic because you had a classic mix of humans. You got Holly as your captain and then you had Reef, who's ultra clean cut comp guy and then Dakota, the, just the wiry Grom. How was, talk us, yep. through, talk us through the dynamic and the, and the bonding that went on. It was pretty classic, like from from the get go. Like the the number one person who surprised me the most was Reef, I reckon, because I feel like he was a bit nervous going into it. Like he kind of knew that he had some big shoes to fill, type thing. Um, like he's more in the land challenges. Like he's in the water. He was like he like blew everyone out of the water. Yeah, he's like, a, he's like a, every day. He's a freak. He is a freak. Like he's an actual freak in the water. Um, but you could tell like <coughs> he wanted to really go huge on land as well. And like yeah, when that the haircut challenge and stuff came up, he was like, "Bang, I'm on it." Um, yeah, like he was just keen to do everything and and anything. Yeah, um, I, I was so blown away at Reef on that first night because I knew that he was kind of the oddball of the trip. He's a super clean yeah. card. He doesn't drink. He's a Christian. He's just this aerial surf machine. And on that first yeah. night, everyone was at the pub and there was just copious amounts of booze going down and horrible greasy food that you eat at a pub. And I remember we were all standing yeah. there and someone had these deep fried chicken wings and they were, they were kind of looking a bit disgusting. And someone was like, oh, does anyone want to finish these? And Reef leaned over and goes, oh, I'll, I'll eat this if you're not going to eat it. And he picked out like a, a bit of parsley that was just there as a garnish, a garnish and he's just there sipping on water, just chewing on this raw parsley. And I was like, wow, this guy is... <laughs> and then that's the last I see of him. And then by the end of the trip, he's got a sideways mohawk and I see all this footage of him yeah. busking and ripping his pants down and just this... Yeah. I, I feel like you corrupted him. I, I might have corrupted him. I, I, um, 
it's pretty funny though. Like, it, you're exactly right. Every single night that we had, Reef was literally up till all hours in the morning drinking soda water, like just <laughs> raging. Like, <laughs> oh god, it was yeah, just little things like that, like um dakota like similar similar style thing like i was trying to corrupt him but he just yeah he he wouldn't let me corrupt him um he was yeah he's he had a like pretty strong like firewall up around him that i couldn't burst through i couldn't yeah no matter no matter what indian hacker that i could employ to to crack through that firewall it just (laughs) it, it wouldn't get there but he still had a good honesty um uh, yeah, that that pie that pie challenge. I tell you what, that was a brutal challenge. Hey, like just more having to find a a pie every day, um, and that be like uh, when it comes to dinner time, we'd we'd go out to the pub and have a nice pub meal, and like he's like looking around for pies and like seeing if there's like family pies, or he'd have to go to like Woolies and get like a frozen pie and like beg the chef at the at the pub to make the pie for him, and like. Yeah, it was pretty classic. And yeah, Holly was just, Holly's an absolute beast. Like, yeah, she's just, she's got a heart of gold. She's definitely like, she's definitely more of a bloke than most blokes that I know in, <laughs> in the best, in the best way, in the best way possible. Like, yeah, you and Holly were definitely, definitely on the same program the whole trip. Just. Oh, for, sh- for sure. She, but Holly's got this like. I've had big nights with Holly and she'll wake up the next morning and just be like, ah, like super energetic, that like su- that full foghorn v- voice box she's got. It's just like, she just <laughs> nothing, like nothing phases her. It's just like, she just wakes up and she's just ready to charge it again. Like just tackle the day. So having that energy um, in the van every day was definitely uplifting. We definitely needed it for sure. Um, good morale booster yeah and talk me through your sydney day because i heard that that was a pretty crazy day ticking off the challenges in sydney you you had the harbour swim holly got a tattoo then you did the opera house photo photo into holly doing hill bomb that night which she got completely munched on i don't know man no, it, literally in the in the past 50 years Name one person who's had a more iconic day in Sydney than that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, sit, I'll sit here and wait. From waking up in the morning to then going down to Woolworths, getting a steak, cooking it up at my mate's chick's place, going down to Luna Park, setting off for a swim over the harbour. It was actually Queen, the Queen's birthday long weekend, probably the busiest day that I've ever seen in the city. Like the amount of boats that was sailing through that harbour that day was just psycho. It was like being in like four lanes of traffic on a highway. Yeah, so so this is the this is the swim a river with a stake attached to your leg challenge, which in itself was might be the most might might be unanimously considered the gnarliest challenge because that is it's just fucking psycho. So Chun swam the Bruns River, a notorious shark zone in the Northern Rivers, and he strapped a stake to his leg and swam it, and that seemed like pretty unbeatable i would say and then you went to another extreme and didn't just swim a sharky river which sydney harbour is notoriously sharky i think there's there's crazy photos of a a giant shark that was caught there just i think the week before or days before you did it 
But then yeah. you went and did it for anyone who doesn't know. There's ferries coming through there. There's all kinds of boats. It's a giant span, so it's like it's not just it's not just you know a, a little <laughs> little distance from side to side. It's this huge gap. One point seven k's. One point seven k's. To be precise, yeah. And talk us through, talk us through, because it was you had to deal with cops like on either end, right? Like as as soon as you jumped in, the the police were straight onto it. Yeah. Well. Um, so we went, we, we jumped in on the North side of Sydney. So we, we drove over the bridge in the morning, got down to the North side of Sydney and they've got like security guards, like just kind of like moseying around, like under the bridge. Um, so we're kind of like gearing up, like we, yeah, got all like our swim shit and there was like cameras and stuff. And like this security guard was like kind of looking at us going like, what's going on? And we knew that he was onto us. So we kind of just like when we had all our stuff together, we just kind of ran up towards Luna Park because the, the current was really bad that day. Um, so ran up towards Luna Park um, and just literally just jumped in the water and people were just like yelling at us and stuff. Um, so I was swimming and my mate uh, Tom Robb was and Holly were paddling softies um, either side of me support crew and support crew um and yeah we just kind of like once i like got in the water and i like it just looked so far away and there was just boats everywhere i was like man this is actually like pretty full on um but i just kind of like put my head down and started swimming i just tried to block everything out but i was wearing goggles um and i just couldn't like the night before one of my one of my skater friends was like man I told him what I was doing and he was just like, did you see that shark that they caught in there like a couple of weeks ago, that bull shark? I'm like, nah. And he showed me this photo like on his phone of this bull shark and like the whole swim, I was just looking down into like the deepest murky water and it just was screaming bull shark. (laughs) So I was just, just swimming and just trying to like relax and get into my own little zone. And then like, there's just all this commotion going on from, from land and like, the big ferries had come through and either Tom or Holly would be like, stop and like wait for the ferry to go by. So there was a fair bit of like stop and starting because of that. And I was just so keen to just like get it over and done with and just swim that from start to finish. And then this one guy comes up next to us on his big boat and he goes, mate, the radios are going fucking ballistic. Like, they've the police have seen you you've been reported so there's like a channel that all the boats have in the harbor drive so i'm look up above you and there's like a a police on the harbor and i was just like he's like that's for you mate he's like the amount of shit that you've caused this morning the radios are going crazy he's like there's a police boat on their way to you goes you need to turn around right now and i'm like mate i'm in the middle of the harbor i'm not turning around and he's just like turn the fuck around like screaming at me and like Holly was freaking out. Holly's like, we've got to turn around. I'm like, Holly, we're in the middle. We're smack bang in the middle and the current's going crazy. And I'm like, nah, we're just going for it. So we just kept swimming. Yeah, we're just, the, the main thing was just dodging all the boats. Like the boats were psycho that day for some reason. And then um, it kind of, my mate Tom was, was kind of really struggling. Um, and he was about a K, like I swear he was, pretty much smack bang in the middle of the harbour when I was like facing the, I was getting close to the other side. And then the, I see this police boat just charging up, charging in like super quick. So I just like jump up 
um, run out, like run up the stairs and start like running towards the harbour because the main thing that I was worried about were the police seeing the filmers and apparently the police can like, if you film something like that, they'll just take your memory cards, like take your SD cards. And then it's like, Brutal. it's like, it didn't even, ha- it's like, it didn't even happen. Yeah. Kind of thing. So I was like, shit. So I called an Uber. I was, no, someone called an Uber on their phone. Uber pulled up. We all jumped in and I was soaking wet. And uh, we just like, like kind of just got out of there. And then we kind of abandoned my mate, my mate, Tom. Um, and then like half an hour goes by and we're like, oh shit, like he's still down there and like the police boat's still there. Um, and then I called his missus off my phone and she just rocked up and she's like, yeah, he's like dealing with the police. Like they seem pretty, they seem pretty off it. And I was like, oh fuck, like this maybe could be a bit more of a serious thing than I originally thought. Um, so we kind of went back there. The police had bailed. Tom was like, yeah, look, I had to give him all the all our details. Otherwise, he was just going to find me on the spot. His name was Sergeant Grime, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "You've got to call him. You've got to call him before four p.m. today um, to explain what you did because apparently he was blowing up about resources that you know, like the the the. I mean, the chopper was already up in the sky. They just kind of got radioed. It wasn't like we. It wasn't like a chopper got launched because of us or whatever, but yeah, I guess it just freaked a lot of people out. And um, but then I called Sergeant Grime before 4 p.m. that day, and um, I was just I was just straight up with him. I'm like, look, mate, I caused a bit of shit in the harbour today. Um, you know, I really didn't mean to make such a scene. I'm like, I actually googled the laws. It um, it isn't illegal to swim in the harbour. It's just um, it's not recommended. Right. Um, I, I thought it was illegal. So you were, you were, you, you blow it up. You, I guess there isn't a law that you can't like swim from one side to the other. So I don't know. And I just, I was just straight up honest with this guy. I'm like, I'm really sorry. And, um, you know, like I won't do it again, <laughs> which is not something that you'd do twice anyway, but yeah. And then I heard nothing back. The other getting away with murder story I heard from you on the trip is when you guys were in the pub one night and you decided to take a take a leak in a garden which just so happened to be inside and then you got booted out of the pub but then somehow talked the guy into letting you back in how how do you do that that's a skill right that I feel like everyone would love to have we've all been in that situation and it never works but somehow you pull it off yeah that's a house classic I reckon I reckon I might just I um Cause obviously like I'm the one, I'm the one making the mistake at, at the start, you know, it's just like, Oh, I, I shouldn't have done that. And then the guy comes out and he's like, man, I've I got to kick you out. I've, I've got to do my job. And I'm like, look, mate, like I just, I think I'm, maybe I'm just good at reasoning with people. I'm just like, I just took him around the corner and I'm like, look, mate, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, you know, like, I don't want, I don't want you, I don't want to make you look bad. I don't want you to have to go and like, you know, say to your boss that I had to get kick someone out for doing this. I'm like, I learned from my mistakes, mate. I'm like, you won't catch me pissing in the garden again. I'm I'm really sorry. And he's just like, all right, I'll give you one more chance. And I'm like, all right, I appreciate it, mate. Thank you. So you're just a nice guy when it comes down to it. I'm a con artist. That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
like, all right, I'm going to take that on board and, and try and yeah. try and use that tactic. Yeah, it worked. Hey, what was your, what was the lowest point on the trip for you? Ah, uh, lowest point on the trip. Probably we we woke up one morning. When was it? Maybe after the whole city shenanigans, just really hung over and sore bones and went to ours <laughs> to try and do the ours challenge, like surf Cape Fear or whatever. And um, it was just shit. Like it was just not breaking and um we were just trying to we were just trying to flog a bit of a dead horse there that day and it was just like weren't weren't a couple of you throwing up and sick that morning as well yeah yeah we were we were real crook like throwing up on the rocks at at (laughs) at cape salander (laughs) it's like all fours i forget who even was out there who did we send out there was it reef I think it might have been Reef, yeah. It was probably Reef. And yeah, I was yeah, we were just trying to go full coach mode on the rocks and like I was just like curled over, like just just spewing on the rocks and and then um he was like he wouldn't catch a wave and I was like, mate, you gotta just go out and just catch a wave. Like we just need to catch one wave. And I'm like, if I if I strip off nude and go and paddle paddle out there right now and get one, will you go will you go out and get one? And he's like, Yeah, all right. So I just like ripped all my gear off again <laughs> and paddled out there. Paddled out there and it was like dead low tide, Cape Cape Fear. I'm glad um I'm glad I didn't rip my old fella off on a barnacle or something like that. But what's left of your old fella? Yeah, what's left, yeah. I oh, know. The old two the old two skin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Can we tell that story? I fucking love that story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, might, might as well. Everything's all everything's all in the air now anyway. I might as well just really dive into the uh into my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> so tell what happened. You were young, you're zipping up your jeans like you like you do every day and then Yeah. Yeah, I was probably I was probably about five or six. Um just came out of a nice warm bath. Um dove into a pair of jeans um and yeah up goes the zipper um yeah the old fellow was was hanging out um and yeah just got it right in the middle of the forey um yeah smack smack bang in the middle and yeah i was kind of fat my old man came in and there was a bit of a commotion um he was like man i don't even know what to do like this is so this is so painful to watch so we, he just threw me in the car and took me to the hospital um, and they were all just kind of there in this big room, just kind of like looking down going like, what do we do? And yeah, the only thing you could do is just rip it the whole way up. Um, so yeah, I, I circumcised myself pretty much. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like smack, smack bang in the middle of euphoria. So I was kind of left with a, with a two skin after that, but they trimmed it up and, um, made it look all nice. So I don't have some sort of Frankenstein setup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that story so much. It's so good. Uh, when I was chatting to some of the other teams, they were like, they were like worried about you. They're like, oh, has this, this whole thing is just almost custom design. I mean, Ozzy said that, like this whole thing is almost custom design for has you do this sort of shit. 
every day anyway. Were there any other teams that you were worried about, like any other team members in, in, in particular that you had your eye on? Um, well, that's the thing. I, I reckon it was a race between, uh, we'll call it the Rage team um, and our team because, yeah, they the, basically, yeah, they were the, they were the only team that could that that could come close to us in terms of like just absolutely like giving it a hundred percent like every day throughout the whole trip. It was it was like we were the long distance runners, you know, like throughout that that trip. There was like, you know, there were there were horses built for stamina. Um and I feel like those those long distance runners were were on the team that were either on our team or the um Jaleesa's team so um yeah I mean yeah I I reckon it was I reckon it'll come down to us too it doesn't look like it right now in the in the points tally but actually who knows that's the thing like I was so surprised watching all the other teams all the other teams where I was just like you know what like they they actually nailed heaps of shit. Like Dion did so much, so many like water activities, um, and then what was the other team? Macy's team. Like yeah, like Chipper. Like you, Chipper's just psycho. Like he was so good in the water as well, doing all his tech stuff. So it's like, yeah, you, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Um, you can't rule anyone out. Like in terms of. Um, you know, like what people can and can't do. We all had the same, we all had the same booklet of challenges. You know, not all, not everyone was there in that van. Like we didn't really understand that people were actually, what, what people were doing. So that's why it's been cool to rewatch it. Cause it's just like, oh wow. Like can't believe Dion did a float of that long or like, holy shit. I can't believe like Sheldon did like six, seven chop ops on one way. It's just like, whoa, you know. And, uh, and talking about, all the different teams and all the different types of surfer that were on them. What do you think that for the professional surfer in 2021, if you look at the, just taking stock of the entire landscape, what percentage of importance in being a pro surfer is related to skill? Yeah. The, the free surfing type deal. This is why, this is why I felt like surfing's needed something like this for a long time is because you can be a great surfer and, um, you know, and be really technical and, and an amazing surfer and be able to surf all day. But, you know, if you jump in the van with all your friends and, and stick to yourself and you put your headphones on and, and you, you ha- you're not contributing to, to any sort of, uh, I don't know, just anything else, like if that's all you've got to contribute is just great surfing, then I don't know, that, pe- that can just get a little bit boring. Like people, people aren't really interested. And, and that not, that isn't just in surfing too. That's like, that's big in skate culture as well. Like, you know, if you get invited on a skate trip and, you know, you jump out of the van and you, you go and like do gnarly, like gnarly tricks and shit, but then you jump back in the van and you, you're not talking to anyone or you're not cracking any jokes or like having a good time. It's like, what's the point on even being there? I think it's huge like to, to be able to show personality and um and people's traits and and just a bit of character in surfing like doesn't need to be so serious like you know and and i'm all for competitive surfing i love watching it like those guys are especially like having reef on the team like i was admiring how how onto it he was with his diet and um and you know like he's stretching and his warm-up routine and uh and i was like 
yeah, I was I was really admired by that. Um, but it's just kind of a different ball game, really. Like, you know, Reef can show me a couple of things, and and I'll show him a couple of things as well. You know. <laughs> <laughs> And what about your career specifically? Because you have bounced around companies a little bit and there's not many people that can be sponsored by Mad Hooey's and Carve and Fox. <laughs> that They're kind of the, the type of brands that people don't necessarily transition back to the major bigger brands like the premium brands in the surf space. I mean I think sure. maybe other than Bruce Irons, like, I don't know if there's anyone's ever done it but yet you, you, you had no problem on that. Do you, do you, ever, oh. do you ever think about that well yeah it's it's just a funny like you know i definitely don't i don't i'm in a situation like i'm in a position in my career at the moment which is still a pretty early one and just thinking back on all the on all the times that i've had and the people that i've gotten to mingle with like it's kind of amazing like you know i spent 10 years sponsored by rip curl like chasing the qs and the pro junior series and things like that and then that kind of that kind of sponsorship just dried up in terms of they just they couldn't really support me to travel around like it's so much money i don't blame them traveling around chasing like the qs and stuff like that so then it was like i was in a i was in a um the time where i was like shit and maybe i'll just go to work with my old man and, and work a few days a week and then like come back to surfing or like just work and like um, earn money to then, I don't know, like chase the comps or like go on surf trips or like whatever. I was just kind of open to anything. And I've, I've always been open to, to working, you know, like, and things like that. Like I was, you know, I was brought up around, um, hardworking culture and, and like all my friends, uh, you know, tradesmen and, and work. And like, I've been gifted for, for years now, an amazing lifestyle where I, where I, uh, I don't have to strap me boots on in the morning and go to work, but so yeah, I was like, all right, I'm gonna look at getting a job. And then uh, the Mad Hooies approached me, and they were just like, look, like we'll sponsor you, and you can just do whatever the fuck you want. Like if you want to do comps, if you want to just hang with us, if you want to go do surf trips, whatever. And I was just like, you beauty, I'll 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 take that for sure. Like you know. And then they uh, they took me to Hawaii and like did heaps of sick trips with the Mad Hooies and like yeah they introduced me to like icons like Dingo and like yeah the Hazard Twins are fucking crack up like you know I was so I was looking back I was like so young I think I was like 17 18 and like yeah the things that they introduced me to were <laughs> pretty pretty classic but you know that they gave me a stepping stone to actually start to be myself and like you know I really in that one year that I was sponsored by the Mad Hoos, I really got to um, just relax and just be myself and go on trips and um, and just kind of I don't know just not worry about what people thought of me or like not worry about coming back with some sort of result or um, or or like having to justify my spot on some sort of team it was just like those those lads were just keen to just have a have a sick time and just surf and fish and so yeah and then I guess that then led into the sponsorship with Rusty they kind of yeah they Rusty hit me up um and we're like yeah look like we we're keen to get you on the team blah 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 I was like sweet um 
I was on that team for about two years and then that was a similar thing just in the, you know, where they didn't force me to compete at all. That's when I started kind of hanging out with uh, and doing surf trips with guys like Craig and Dion and, uh, and Chipper and um, hanging out on the South coast a lot. And yeah, I just kind of started mingling with a different crew and I kind of got taken under the wing of like some kind of like the, my idols, I guess, like people that I've like really like looked up to. And then, yeah, I was just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really believe in like being in a good place at the right time. I feel like that's, you gotta, you gotta, you, you kind of summon that yourself. Like you, you gotta put your neck out there and like make sacrifices to be put in those situations. And, and yeah, in those times of your life. And like, I was just really thankful for the people around me um you know like the the whole bodyboarding community on the south coast like just kind of taking me in and taking me under their wing and then like yeah all the guys that I looked up to you know I'm so thankful that those guys weren't just complete wankers like you know like I could have thought that like you know Craig Anderson was just like this you know he was an amazing surfer and things like that but you know for, for, I didn't know him like he could have just he could have just been like an absolute cockhead but he wasn't, he's like one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And now it's like, you know, I, I, he's still like my favorite guy to surf with, but he just, he, he taught me so many things, you know, on surf trips to just kind of, I don't know, just be calm and, and collected and, and, you know, not force anything. And I don't know. And now, yeah, then going back to the whole sponsorship thing, then the rusty deal kind of the, the main team manager left things got a bit weird. Um, the first stab high came around in Texas and, um, yeah, I, it's actually, I think I, I'm not, I'm not sure if I've even told the story before, but I think I'd surfed the heat and Austin Gillette was sitting on the side of the pool watching the event. And I was just sitting down there hanging with him and he was sitting down there with another, with another guy that I hadn't met. I didn't know who it was. And we were just talking and then I got talking to this other bloke, his name was Scott. And he was just like head to toe in tattoos, like had all these like sick tattoos and stuff. I'm like, oh, fuck, sick, sick tats. <laughs> and stuff. And we just got talking. That was then the last, that was then like the last night. Things got so whack that night. Like that was obviously like the headlock thing. And um, I was completely offline for like a few days. Like I, my, I hadn't spoken to like my mum or dad, my, my girlfriend, anyone. And then all of a sudden this like footage arises of me, like putting a big Texas police officer in a headlock <laughs> and people just, people were freaking out. I remember waking up the next morning and like everyone thought that I got arrested and went to jail and because like I wasn't on my phone and um, yeah. And then I was like, holy shit that I had to, I had to leave. So I was walking down in the lobby Another time when Haz gets away with murder because not only did you headlock that yeah. guy, you were, yeah. you were hugging him that, not long yeah, after. That. That, no, exactly. That was that was another thing that I was like, you know, I, it wasn't. That, you could tell from my face, from my face, like that it was it was all in good. It was all in good uh, in good terms. Oh yeah, one of those friend, friendly headlocks. Just a friendly headlock. It was like put. I was like put it as a bear hug, mate. It was a bear hug. It wasn't a headlock. <laughs> He was a big bear. He was a big grizzly bear, that bloke. But no, I was, yeah, I reasoned with him and everything was sweet in the end. 
But then, yeah, the next morning, so I was like walking out of the, the lobby at BSR and there's the, the, the tattered man that I was like hanging out with the next day who was sitting with Austin. Um, and he's like, oh, Harry, um, if you're heading back to Los Angeles, like I'd love to have a meeting with you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, a meeting? I'm like, I had no idea like who it was. I was like, what do you mean? Like meeting about what? And he's like, oh, I'm, I work for Vans. And, um, and I was like, oh, oh, cool. And then I was actually going on a trip, like a around America trip, like for a, a video premiere with Rusty. And I told the Rusty, because the Rusty TM was with me and I was like, oh, Vance has hit me up in the lobby. Like maybe they want to hit, like, hit, hit me up with a footwear sponsor or something like that. And they were like, oh, yeah, that'd be sick. Like, so I didn't really think all that much of it. I was like traveling around America for a bit there and then came back to L.A., went had a meeting with um, Scott and Nolan from Vans. Um, I forgot my ID. So I was like sitting out the front. I, I couldn't get let into the restaurant where we were going to have meetings. <laughs> to like <laughs> wait for them to wait for them to rock up. And uh, they, yeah, that we, we just kind of got off on a good, on a, on a really good note. Like I was staying at Alex Nose place and Nolan's obviously really tight with Alex and, um, we had this meeting and went back to Alex's and had a good old time. And then next thing I know, I'm yeah, head to toe with Vans and couldn't couldn't be any more stoked, to be honest. Like just feel I feel finally a part of like a family now where like, you know, they're doing so many creative things and like they've just got such an amazing team of surfers and and creative people. And um yeah, everyone up top at Vans are just so easy to talk to. Like you know, I can just kind of ring them at any time of the day and just have a chat and, and it not be a weird thing. Like I'm not like addressing my bosses in some formal t- context or anything like that, which is just... How things could have been different if you headlocked the wrong guy and it turns out you headlocked the Vans team manager. I know, I know. Things, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if there's one 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 piece of advice I could give to the, the youth of Australia is just watch for your headlock and watch for your headlock and watch for your headlock and watch for your headlock. Watch for your headlock. Thanks, Haz. And thanks for listening. Please don't forget to send your surf sins in. Danny at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com. And we'll see you next week. figured that if you just continue to do things that you love and do it and just inject fun into everything you can't lose like you know you can't really go wrong and and giving people the opportunity to be themselves and and have a good time like that'll always um lead to a good outcome well said has well said thanks mate